The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 72000. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. You must wonder, how am I going to keep my managers, my hourly personnel, my other people motivated and productive so they don't leave and take what we've taught them away? And further, you might even be thinking, how do I develop my company leaders, maybe my next second tier of people in a time-effective, cost-effective, and efficient way. To answer those questions, Tia Graham. Tia, welcome to the show. Thank you. So happy to be here. Hey, so how are you? I'm really good. How are you? Good, good. Well, welcome. So what's the trick to keeping people employees? You've got a different angle than some of our other people. A lot of our people are these hardcore finance business people. You're, you're from a different side of the business. So give us a little background. Tell us what you're from. So my background is in leading sales and marketing teams for luxury hotels for about 15 years. I was in Hawaii and New York City, Istanbul, Turkey, and also Los Angeles, where we had the pleasure of meeting. And I have always been very, very interested in human happiness and the psychology of happiness, which led me to create my company, Arrive at Happy, and I've dove into what makes people happy and what leaders can do to create really thriving cultures so that the employees never want to leave. Okay. So let's talk first about luxury hotels because, you know, listen, we've all stayed at great hotels and the people that work at these places are quite extraordinary. I mean, they really are generally fantastic people. Do they just like find fantastic people or do they teach mediocre people, how to be fantastic through some magical, what's your experience in the hotel business? How does it work? Really great question. So hotel companies absolutely look for personalities and, you know, within the entire industry, it's hire for attitude, train for skill. With that being said, throughout my experience in working with global hotel companies, as well as independent hotel companies, hotels spend 
a significant amount of time on training and development, both for the hourly employees, sort of service culture, if you will, and then leadership training. As a leader, I went through several different lengthy leadership trainings. So I would say it's a combination of both. And you didn't ask me this, but, and I will say hotels do a great job of instilling really, really authentic pride so that the employees feel like the hotels are their second homes. You mean for the employees? Yes. Because a good hotel makes the the guests feel that way too. Oh, yes, exactly. I was talking about the employees. So as if the employees are welcoming the customers into their home, that's sort of the culture that's created and that's interwoven in the hotel. Yeah. It's quite amazing that You know, I I guess what this whole discussion is about really is that hotels really understand their customer. They probably understand their customer better than many other industries. True? False? I would say yes. Hotels spend a lot of time on data analysis as well as just, you know, speaking to customers. And there's so many touch points for the companies to gather information on their customers. And repeat customers are obviously way uh, less expensive, you know, to, to keep as opposed to acquiring new customers. So yes, very, very, very customer focused for sure. So they understand their customer. They teach their employees about this and, you know, and so, so right now we're talking about right now, kind of the customer facing side, we, we opened the, the kind of the question was uh, really the, the internal side, mm-hmm. but I imagine if people are having a good experience working with customers, that that goes a long way to them liking their job. Yes. I mean, in my opinion, you develop strong leaders who understand how to drive the business forward and understand how to truly take care of the employees. And that will take care of your business because the leaders are going to take care of the employees. And if the employees are taken care of or when they're taken care of, they will take care of the customer. And so that kind of works in hospitality. Does it work in other industries? I, I know it's kind of a gold standard for other industries, but does it really work? Do other industries have the margin to do it? Or maybe they don't have the margin to have, even have a choice. I mean, they may, they just need to do it. I mean, what do, what do you think? Great question. I, I think no matter what the margin, they have to do it because it will only increase your profit. You know, taking... I actually was speaking to a financial company in New York last week and they said, my leaders tell me they're so busy. They don't have the time. They don't have the time to spend with their hourly employees. And I, you know, went right back to him, said they need to carve out the time for their employees. It will make their life easier and the company will definitely be making more money. So I, I honestly don't think it's industry specific. And there are other examples. Um, a great one is Zappos. You know, it's in sort of the tech retail sector, whose entire focus, Tony Shea's entire focus was on employee happiness and customer happiness. Those were the pillars. And, you know, he sold his company for over a billion dollars to Amazon. And happiness for both employees and customers was the primary focus from day one. You know, if a manager says that they're too busy to do something, then 
either that manager or the company needs to really take a look at, uh, you know, at busyness. Busyness is a terrible thing. I mean, are these people not being productive? Why are they so busy? What, what else do they have to do that's more important than making sure that their employees are taking care of their customers? Uh, are they doing paperwork? Maybe the management needs to take a hard look at that. So, uh, you know, do you, do you counsel companies on those things? Yes. And actually I can speak to that even firsthand. Mid-level, upper-level management, depending on who's running the company, and in some cases, you have multiple groups, you know, whether you have the investors, management companies, et cetera, there could be a lot of different people that are directing the organization. And so that mid-level management, upper-level management can be bogged down with meetings, conference calls, reports, email response, et cetera. And, and especially with all of the distractions that, you know, that your phone and everything gives you news, et cetera, it's getting harder and harder for managers to really stay focused and prioritized. Time, you know, is really all about prioritization. Any person in corporate America today could spend all day just answering emails and probably it would fill eight or nine hours of their day. But to move a business forward, you can't do that. You need to be with your customers. You need to be with your team. And so if things are not moving in the direction that the business needs to go, then the executive team needs to really look at how are people spending their time? Well, uh, I, you know, listen, I I know for myself as an executive, I I take responsibility for myself. If you're not doing a good job, I must not have either been clear or I got to help you to clear your platter or, you know, make sure that uh, things are a little different for you Uh, somehow. And, and not all managers, of course, uh, assume that kind of responsibility, but let's go back to the part that you said about retention. You know, how do you get employees to just fall in love with the company so that they don't want to leave? So if a property across the street offers them uh, more money, they still don't want to leave. What, what's the secret to employee loyalty? So there's not one. I'll tell you the ingredients to employee loyalty. So, so put, put your chef hat on and start yes. baking a cake. That's it. Yes. Right? Baking a cake. And this is, you are going to, you know, loyalty beyond reason where, you know, someone offers them a huge amount more to leave, but they say, nope, I'm happy here. I'm going to stay. And that's what you want, especially after you've put in all the training and development. So number one is the purpose and the vision and the values of the company need to be simple and clear. And everyone throughout the organization needs to know them. So a lot of times, well, I won't go. So that's one. A second ingredient is that the company needs to consistently be communicating the results of the organization, both the, the good results and the challenging results. And the every single person down to the hourly employees wants to know how the business is doing. A third part is that employees need to know that their work matters. Meaning in work is, is directly tied to how motivated they are and how hard they want to work. And sometimes when you're lower down the totem pole in an organization, your work might, you know, just seem hourly clock in, clock out. You don't really see the big picture. And so leaders need to consistently be communicating why their work matters. Another ingredient is consistent positive feedback. So, of course, you need to give feedback when employees need, you know, criticism and, and constructive criticism and behavior uh, modification, if you will. 
But to have really, really happy employees and people want to stay, they need to be getting consistent, positive feedback specific about what they're doing well. That does amazing. It just really, really does wonders for the mindset and, and for them to stay motivated. Do you have a couple more? Yeah, I got a couple more. I'll give you Okay, go more. ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. Another is to build authentic, connected relationships. The people, employees need to feel like they belong, not just because they are exposition or they're, you know, this employee number. They need to feel like they truly belong as a human being. There needs to be team connection. They need to feel like they're a part. You know, if you think of the strength of families, you need to create that culture. And another is that to have employees be really, really happy that they'll never leave. They actually have friends at work and they're not leaving because they're connected to their boss and they're connected to other people in the company. So does a company facilitate that through social activities? I mean, how does, does the company help make that happen? Yeah. So depending on, you need to know your team. So I say, you know, if you have a, a group of tech programmers, that's going to be very different than a group of, you know, sales directors who are maybe super extroverted and want to do these certain type of team building activities, whereas maybe a more introverted group wants to do something different. The leader needs to know the type of people that they're leading. And then yes, create activities. And it can be as simple as office potluck or, you know, the leader needs to create opportunities where the human beings are talking to each other, not just about what's going on in the organization and not just about the strategies and the tasks that they're working on. You know, the one thing about hotels that's different, and and I don't mean to keep going back to hotels, just I know you're an expert in hotels because hotels has got to be one of the hardest businesses because it's, it's one of the businesses where customers, they can't help themselves, but they, they yell at people. I mean, you know, it's one thing you go to the supermarket and you buy the wrong can of beans and you make a mistake, you get kind of bent out of shape. But when you're sleeping somewhere and, it, and you're like, I don't know, your whole mojo is all out of balance and like it's all on the line and you're, you're hungry and you're tired and you're in a bad mood and you haven't taken a shower in a while and you got this problem, and that problem, and I don't know, whatever your problems are. And they lost your luggage at the airport. Somebody at that hotel is getting yelled at. <laughs> it just happens. How do they teach people to be courteous under that kind of pressure? A lot through role play. So the higher level managers will, in the training, go through scenarios. So the front desk of the hotels gets the bulk of that communication from clients. And it can be very, very difficult and very stressful. And so the leaders will go through, will go role plays, and then they will model. So in the training, inevitably the manager and the higher ups that are training the the new people are going to get yelled at, are going to get berated, are going to be name called, et cetera. And so the newer employee is watching, watching the leader, the supervisor stay calm. And there's trained specifically how to diffuse, how to show empathy, how to, you know, reframe back what the customer is saying And also there's a line, right? They're also, you know, you can't be physically, obviously physically attacked or if it's, you know, incredible verbal communication and the employees know, okay, you know, call in a manager. And and I've been, you know, lots of times where customers will actually be asked to leave if it's too much, but really it's that, it's almost like negotiation, right? Of just like staying calm, listening, repeating back and empathizing. You know, I just imagine some people, 
are intuitively better at this than other people. I mean, you know, all the training in the world, you know, is not going to make me a baseball player, I, you know, but, but, you know, handling yeah. some situations, you know, is, is more intuitive to me than others. And I imagine that's true for other people. So does there tend to be like one person that's designated as the, uh, as the bad guy receptor, you know, <laughs> you know when, when there's just a terrible customer, they're like the, uh, they're the fixer. I would say there's usually a few, yeah, within the team. Definitely, there'll be a few employees and, you know, out of the leadership group, one or two of the leaders, and they are known as the best at it and also at not getting as, uh, you know, ruffled by it, right? It doesn't affect them as much. And I believe that the people that do this, the ones I've known over the years who do this really well, it actually, um, there's a sense of pride that they're able, you know, sort of like, give me any customer, I can handle it, I will make them happy. You know, I think about something else, uh, you know, you were talking a few minutes ago about, uh, you know, getting people to bond, I'm all about bonding. But my idea of bonding doesn't really work in this, uh, you know, diversity and inclusion kind of environment, you know, because I, I have a certain, it's not that I don't include everybody, I do, but not everybody likes to do like, I might like to go have a cigar. I might like to go have a scotch. I might like to go to a ball game. And, yeah. and I tend to do the things that I like to do, mm-hmm. but not everybody likes to do the things that I like to do and you can't uh, make everybody do it. So in this world of diversity and inclusion, where you want to include all kinds of people who yeah. have uh, you know, different preferences for uh, you know, different, they might not like uh, bars. They might not like sporting events. They might not like, how do you satisfy a team of people that are not like your friends. They're not like you picked them. So they're, they're kind of like a pool of people that's very diverse and very different from what maybe is normal for you. Mm-hmm. How do you create bonding in that kind of group so that everybody feels good and can work together in a, in a good way? Great question. First of all, it's great if you have a diverse team that doesn't all look the same, it's going to make the team stronger. And it's obviously wonderful for, for society as well. So I would, if a leader came to me with that exact question, I would say, go ask your team. So let's say you have 25 or however many people you have. And I would say, we want to have some bonding time, whether it's team fun, whether it's, you know, just time to blow off steam. What do you want to do? And you could have each person write down some ideas, you know, on paper, if they don't want, if everyone doesn't want to say it and just, you know, say, hey, over the next 40 hours, just send me a couple of your ideas. What do you think would be, would be good? Or you could ask in person if, if the team is really close and everyone could just share their ideas. And then if it's once a month, once a quarter, and these don't need to be extremely, like you could do an experience in as short as 30 or 45 minutes. Something like ball game could be five hours. I would have variety, right? Not everything you do is every person's going to think, oh, this is the best. Like, I'm so glad that we're Cigar, you know, I don't know, cigar tasting. I don't smoke cigar, whatever that is. <laughs> Where And then the next one, you know, that someone says, hey, let's all go see, you know, let's all go see a comedy show or let's all, you know, learn from this professor. I don't know. It depends on your group, right? That I would say over time. And you could say to the team just that, you know, I got a lot of good ideas. There's a lot of different personalities here. And we are going to have, we're going to have a variety. And I, um, I'll tell you, it, it kind of truthfully, it, it, it sounds very good because I kind of do the things that I like to do, but you know, if somebody said, uh, we're going to go to a play and hey, that sounds kind of fun, or we're going to go hear a professor, give a discussion on a certain topic. 
hmm, not normally where I would go, but that sounds like it could be kind of fun. I mean, if every month somebody planned a different activity over the course of a year, you'd have done a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. And things you wouldn't normally do for yeah. sure. Yeah. And, and, and I could see how that would bond a group together. That would do a lot of good. Yes. So what's, yes. so what's the impact? I mean, is there any research that says that companies that, uh, that play together, stay together or, uh, or, or, uh, I mean, are, are we just talking about some theoretical stuff? Is it anecdotal? Cause I mean, I happen to believe it's true, but is there research that backs this up? Yeah. So I'll just give two that come to mind. So in terms of the employees who play together, stay together. So um, Gallup, which is a very large research organization, they have a survey called the Q12, which is 12 questions. And it's been given to thousands of employees in different types of companies and industries. And there's one question on the Q12 that says, do you have a friend at work? And the majority, if, if within an organization, if the majority of the employees, I think it's about 72%, say they do have a friend in work, that it directly connects to EBITDA and that it's a more profitable company. Another statistic that comes to mind is the University of Oxford in, at the end of 2019 came out with a study that showed that, and it was a um, multinational telephone company, thousands of employees, and they monitored them for over nine months. And it showed that when employees, and this is, you know, again, it's telecom, but working with customers, that when the employees are feeling happy at work, they were 12% more productive than the employees whose they were feeling negative or neutral. So there definitely is a business ROI. And although now I'm in the business of happiness or bringing happiness to business, um, I absolutely want there to be a positive business impact. Well, you know, I always uh, thought that the word happy is kind of a, uh, it's like a birthday party word, you know? <laughs> and then, you know, but you know, even adults, need to be happy. I mean, I'm not making fun of the word happy. I just, you know, it just isn't a word you hear in business all the time. And maybe we need to hear it more. Maybe that, maybe that's the problem is that we don't hear some important language often enough because every one of us, when people are in a good mood, uh, you know, and we got, there's a lot of bad news in the, the, every day. I mean, I mean, the news channels, the, just the, just everything is rough in our world. Um, and that brings people down, uh, you know, and people spend so much time at work. I mean, I guess, that we really owe it to our people to help them, you know, make the best of whatever it is that they're doing. Right. Yes. I mean, I, I absolutely believe so. And culturally you're right. It's happiness is not a huge part of our work. I went and studied with a happiness company. that has been doing global corporate happiness work for 14 years in Copenhagen in Denmark. And in Danish, there's actually a word that means work happiness, one word meaning work happiness. And obviously we don't have that word in English, right? There's well, you a word know, you, could, you could kind of collapse and call it wappiness. Yeah, maybe, maybe. There's a word in Japan that uh, means death from work. And thankfully we don't have that word in our language either. <laughs> but, but yes, I mean, we do spend a lot of time and when I, mean, I think I think you know this as as an entrepreneur and, and everything that you do, you know, when you get a lot of meaning, when you are satisfied, you're able to be more successful. You know, like there, there's definitely changes in the brain, and I won't go into all of that research, but you know, you're able to be more successful than if you are if you're miserable or just sort of you know 
going through waiting for the next opportunity? No, I'll, I'll tell you something. Uh, most people don't have the luxury of, of uh, saying this, but you know, if I'm not happy, if, if it doesn't bring me joy, uh, I'm, I'm kind of winding down on it pretty fast. I mean, I'm, I only like to do things that, that matter to me that, uh, that I feel good about. And the things that I do feel good about, I could, I could work all day long. I mean, I'll work 24 hours a day. I mean, I remember a time when I was a kid at Price Waterhouse and they said, you're not working enough. I said, this work is boring. It's horrible. You know, give me better work. I'll work all night. I said, but this work is horrible. And, and of course that probably wasn't a great thing for, you know, for a young kid to say to the boss, uh, you know, and I ended up, I wasn't working there two weeks later, you know, or something, but uh, you know, but that's, I was kind of winding down. But, right. but even as a youngster, I kind of understood that I have to like what I do and I have to like who I do it for. And I, I have to, I have to understand the reason why I'm doing it. All the things that you just said. Now, maybe some people are more robotic and they're more mechanical and they just go through the motions, but the people that are, that really are alive, I, I think in certain industries have those people more than others really are right in sync. I mean, I kind of get your message. I'm just, I'm getting it as we sit here. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad you're getting it. Yeah. As you were speaking and you were talking about your PricewaterhouseCoopers, I I just had a flashback when I just graduated the University of Hawaii. I was working for these four beautiful resorts on Waikiki Beach in Honolulu. And right as I graduated, I was exposed to the the sales team that you know sold these four hotels and i saw these men and women who had been in these careers for anywhere from 10 to 30 years and they were really really happy they were you know they were doing well they were traveling all over the world selling hawaii and you know representing these properties and i actually that that made a big impact on me because i remember thinking wow that career looks amazing. Like they, I, I could tell that they were enjoying it, you know, without, they weren't saying, Oh, I'm so happy. I love my job. I could just see it, you know? And so hopefully that a lot of, a lot of young people coming out can have that experience too, and, and not just go into something because they think they should, but, but follow careers that really will light them up inside. Yeah. Listen, uh, people, um, they radiate a certain way when they're feeling good, when they're doing good. And I think that really is the inside track to this whole story, that if people are happy, uh, there's a very good chance that they're going to work harder. They're going to, they're going to try harder. They're going to stay longer. They're going to, they're going to encourage other people. You know, the other thing is if somebody's not happy, they're going to tell everybody else that inside the company that are not happy, then all the other people start getting less happy. And, 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 you know, things are either always spiraling up or they're spiraling down. And you might as well have them spiral up because they could easily just as uh, just as easily go start spiraling down. Yes. So no, definitely. And when you have the those people, and of course it's inevitable. You can't expect an entire, especially a large organization, every single person, you know, hundred percent happy every day. It's not going to happen. But the people, when you have the people in teams that are truly, truly disengaged, really not happy, it can be very, very toxic. And emotions are contagious. You know, so. You might have a team and then there's that one person who's complaining and complaining about management and, and this, and they might be good at their job. So you're like, well, they're getting their work done, but what are they doing to the productivity of everyone sitting around them and the engagement and the motivation of everyone sitting around them? So I absolutely would, I, I advise companies to take those people very seriously and either get them moving in the right direction or manage them out. Well, listen, not every person is meant for every job. 
and certain jobs. Uh, and I think that, that, that as, as leaders, we have to figure out, listen, our salespeople need to have this kind of personality mm-hmm. you know, or, or kind of fall into a certain bucket. And, and our, I don't know, our customer service people need to have this kind of personality. I find that companies, they, they, they just offshore their customer service work to people who don't speak English uh, very well. They don't have the culture of understanding like we do. Americans are, are an unusual breed of people and that we just were compassionate people uh, different than other parts of the world. They're all, they all do their thing and they all get through their day, but we, we do it a certain way. Yes. And when you introduce a foreign element, it really can be a big, big issue sometimes, I guess. Yes. Yes. No, I would agree. And just that, you know, always thinking of the customer journey from, from start all the way to the finish. And, and what you want is you want your customers to become raving fans and to refer your company. And so, yeah, of course, that's a, that's a business decision, right? It's obviously a lot less expensive to have your customer team. We always had our call centers and, and teams in North America just for that reason, because we wanted them to feel you know, connected to the hotels. Well, and also, the, you know, the, the, the customer on one end of the line can relate to the other person on the other end of the line. If you're in another part of the world, uh, try as hard as you can. Uh, you know, it's, it's not anybody's fault. You, you just probably can't relate to them the same way that you might be able to relate to somebody who's local. So yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, maybe. So, well, listen, this has been a, uh, this has been a great discussion. We got you to reveal the inside track about being happy, about the ingredients that it takes to be happy about what it, uh, what it takes for companies to really get their people up to speed. And if they use the model of the hotel industry, any industry could learn from that. So Tia, thank you very much for being with us and for sharing. It was really a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for having me. All right, well, listen, thanks. And we'll stay in touch. And listen, thanks for also uh, being a personal friend. Nice to see you. You too. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Get the inside track on 20 top business trends for 2020 from Joe Block. Joel's insights bring Wall Street to your street so you can profit from the inside in 2020. Just text the word TREND to 72000. That's 72000 and download your free copy today. Grab your phone and get the inside track on business trends that affect you and your business. Just text the word TREND to 72000 for your copy now. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.